What is good, everybody? Welcome to the Gold Standard Podcast, part of the Niners Nation Podcast Network. I am Rob Stats Guerrera. He is Levin Black. What's up, Levin? And don't say nothing much. <laughs> no, it's actually uh, an exciting podcast. I'm I'm been waiting all week to talk because it's a really weird transition period where the past matters a lot, the present matters a lot, and the future. You know, you can say those always matter, but it's a weird transition period for the team with the whole quarterback situation and everything that like everything matters and everything has to be talked about past, present and future. We are going to get into all of that quarterback situation on today's show. If you are new to this podcast, this is what you're going to get. You're going to get hot takes mostly from me and cold truth, mostly from the human wet blanket, Levin Black. Going back to the wet blanket. Well, if the shoe fits. Uh, as always, we remind you to rate, review, and follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. It takes a little time for you. It makes a huge, huge difference for us. And we always say, if you take the time to leave us a review, no matter what it says, we will read it on the show. So, in, in honor of that tradition, Levin, I present the following let me, let review. Me sit, let me sit back, get ready, because I know which one you're about to read, because I sent it to you. Uh, I, I, I got to sit here and take it all in. Yeah, this is maybe the most painful review I've ever had to read, and it comes from Ben J. Nash, who writes, I really enjoy Niners Nation for two reasons. They have multiple shows and hosts, which means a lot of content, and Levin Black. In my opinion, and this is his opinion, not mine, Levin offers the most sober, well-researched insight into the 49ers by far at this network, and he's one of my favorite 49ers podcast hosts to listen to in general, and there are a ton of 49ers podcasts out there. That's true. Levin is able to walk the line between love for the team and objective analysis better than anyone else out there, in my opinion. Hold for maybe Eric Crocker. I simply trust what Levin has to say. Obviously, this person doesn't really know you, Levin. They add, I look especially forward to the gold standard each week. Rob's 49ers in five is a nice, quick, daily digest of the team news. Javi Vega is newer to the network, and I believe, but he is also someone I enjoy hearing from. Keep up the good work, y'all. Ben J. Nash, I thank you for the review. A little less on the Levin praise would have been fine by me. But there you go, Levin. There's a nice little feather in your cap. Yeah, take that. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Hey, I like them apples. I hired you. Anything anyone's good that (laughs) said they say about you. We came as a team. What do you mean? You you literally texted me during the interview process. Hey, would you come with me and and do a podcast with me? If I got this job, I want to be able to use it and say that I I have this person that will come along. Or I forget exactly how you said it. We that means we came as a team. You didn't hire me. I didn't hire you. If I wanted you to stop doing the pod, (laughs) whose decision would that be? Uh, well, could be either one of ours. <laughs> okay. If you're not well, nicer to me, maybe I'll go be a wet blanket somewhere else. Well, that, don't count on that improving anytime <laughs> soon. There is so much to talk about on the show today because Kyle Shanahan spoke yesterday. Jimmy Garoppolo spoke yesterday. And obviously the quarterback question is the single biggest topic of the week going into 11. What has now become because of the last two losses, a huge game against Arizona. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to say make or break. I don't think it's quite make or break, but in terms of fifth game of the season, it's about as close to make or break as you can get. Because if the team right now was one and three instead of two and two, and they then they lose and go to one and four, there's no playoff aspirations. You know, you're just a really bad team. Whereas the Niners are two and two, if they go to two and three, you still kind of have a little bit of a playoff hope. So it's not quite make or break, but it's as close as you can truly get uh, in, this early in the season. Well, especially because you don't want Arizona to be five and zero in the division with two yeah. division wins. I, I don't. That part doesn't matter to me because at two and two, I don't. It's going to take a lot to win the division. They're pretty much going to have to, I think, sweep the rest of the divisional games because one of those other teams out there's probably only going to lose three or four games, whether it's the Rams or the Cardinals. Yeah, I think they're a little bit behind the eight ball on that. It, they got some ground to make up for sure. Um, so let's get into some of the cuts that Kyle Shanahan said and Jimmy. some of the things that Kyle Shanahan said, some of what Jimmy Garoppolo said. And I want to make a statement here before we get into all that because I, it's very important for me to get this off of my chest. And uh, some people, you know, they don't always listen to the whole pod or whatever. So if you're only going to listen to the beginning part of this and you only take one thing away from this show, please, for me, let it be this. 
I believe that Kyle Shanahan is going to play Trey Lance this weekend. I believe that was always the plan. But I want to put down for the record that if Kyle doesn't start Trey Lance this week, he can't be the coach of this team anymore. Okay, he got the ultimate get out of jail free card, whether Jimmy's actually hurt or whatever. Something happened enough to the point where he could pull Jimmy Garoppolo and say it was because of injury. No one is going to question him bringing in Lance now. He's not going to get the side eye from the locker room because the story that they are going with is that Jimmy Garoppolo is hurt. There is a management aspect to being a head coach. Some guys are great at it. Jim Harbaugh great at it and let me just say he had the exact same decision in 2012 alex smith was playing got hurt he went with cap what did he say well we're gonna go with cap until alex is healthy cap had a couple good games he said we're gonna ride the hot hand 10 starts later the 49ers were in the super bowl there is a management aspect to being a head coach and this is a test of kyle's management levin if he doesn't play trey lance in favor of an injured inconsistent, struggling Jimmy Garoppolo, he can't be the head coach. I can't put that guy in charge of developing the future of my franchise. I look at it this way. You know, you mentioned he he won't get the side eye for playing Lance. I think he would get the side eye for playing Jimmy. Yes. Because, you know, at this point, we know he missed Wednesday practice. We don't know for sure if if he's going to practice on Thursday because we're recording this Wednesday evening. But he's already missed one of the three big practices of the week. And it's arguable whether he's better anyways. I mean, the team had more yards and more points with Trey Lance in the second half. And that's with Trey Lance getting no warning, not even having any prep with pass plays, because Kyle admitted that he only had run plays in his game package uh, for Trey Lance, and having to run a system and game plan that was built for Jimmy Garoppolo's skill set, which was not the same. And yet he still got the team to outproduce both in points and yards what Jimmy Garoppolo did in the first half. And so you're going to throw in a less than 100% Jimmy. I just don't see how the locker room wouldn't start to turn and go, what is this guy doing? I completely agree with you. Once you keep Jimmy on the team, if you go to Lance right away, you risk getting that side eye. Now that Garoppolo has played poorly and he might be injured, you're right. The worm has turned and he'd get the side eye for the complete opposite reason. This is a a soundbite from Kyle that, like, when I heard it, it was refreshing to hear. But at the same time, like, I was still kind of mad at him. And it's ultimately a good thing, but it was just frustrating for me. Here is Kyle Shanahan talking about how every time Trey Lance hits the field, he's developing. Throughout the summer, him trying to get everything, I thought he got better as it went. Um, then when he went into the games, it'd be a new learning process, and I think he would get better each week in those games. I thought he, when he got thrown into battle here, just running the offense and not really a specific plays, uh, I thought he got more comfortable as the game went, You know, especially going home and watching the tape after the game. I thought there was a lot of encouraging stuff. So he'll see some things out there that he's never seen before, but what you like about him and you know stuff that he might not be ready for, he can overcompensate with some of his athletic ability and to me how competitive he is and how good of a football player he is. I don't know about you, Levin, but I heard that and I was like, yeah, dude, no sh-. That's what is supposed to happen. Isn't that the point of drafting a quarterback and taking him third overall? Every time you play him, he gets better. Like, is this just dawning on Kyle now? Yeah, I don't. There's, I think, a lot of things that made me happy with Kyle Shanahan's press conference on Wednesday and what he said but that's the one that kind of left me scratching my head like why are you acting surprised by that? <laughs> like this is a guy that according to your own story uh, or I can't remember if it was actually him or Lynch that told the story but that once they got eliminated last January Kyle started reviewing film and the moment he reviewed Trey Lance's he literally was so excited that he woke John Lynch up in the middle of the night to say I sent you a bunch of videos. This is the guy. You, if you think that's him, then why are you surprised that he's improving by playing? Like, if you think this is a guy worth giving three first round picks, you shouldn't be surprised that he improves by playing. It it was like stunning to me. And it, it, a lot of emotions came through on that cut because I felt a bunch of different things at the same time. Kyle has talked in the past about 
the importance of practice and game planning and how Wednesday is really the first big day of the week. And like you said, we already know Jimmy didn't practice on Wednesday. Kyle actually dove into that a little bit and just sort of how the install goes during the course of the week. And because he was specifically asked, how important is it for Trey Lance or whoever is the quarterback, but in this case, Trey Lance, to get all of those reps in practice starting with Wednesday? Here's what he said. Oh, it's huge. I mean, you put in a new game plan on Wednesday morning and they go out and practice it on Wednesday. And then Thursday, you put in a whole new thing for third down, short yardage, goal line, things like that. And they go out Thursday and do it. And Friday, you try to review some stuff, but you put in a bunch of red zone stuff. So that's why um, no matter what the position is, usually the guys you're expecting to play get all those reps because it's not just the same stuff. You're doing, doing them versus different fronts, different coverages. So that was surprising to me because Kyle usually doesn't like to give away too much stuff. But to hear him say that, I mean, Jimmy already missed practice yesterday. So to me, isn't this a done deal? Yeah, that, that's what my main takeaway was from Kyle's press conference was reading between the lines. Everything that Kyle believes that you need to be ready to go Sunday, Jimmy is not going to be able to do. And in addition to that, he talked about how Lance played better than he thought and that he was developing and got better and better and at the same time, he talks about how massively huge it is to be able to get first team reps uh, and that getting those helps him improve. And so you're looking at a Trey Lance that should be even better than you saw in the previous game. And then on top of that, you, you take the injury aspect of it. And I think that's a, a bigger deal than most people realize. So Wednesday is the whole game install basically it's all the meat and then thursday is just fine tuning and friday is working on what you need what didn't go very well on wednesday and thursday what the team needs a little bit more prep work on so wednesday is the biggest day of practice without it i don't know how you can start jimmy when like i said they're they're arguably equal if not trey lance already being the better quarterback due to his mobility and to me i go back to last season I think it was last season. Yeah, I'm now drawing a blank. But the Miami game. Yeah, it was last season. The Miami game. Jimmy didn't get practice that whole week. What happened in that game? See, I have a blackout of that game because to me that's the Brian Allen game. But that you're right, Jimmy was very, horrible. That It's not Jimmy that was horrible. That is the worst game of the Kyle Shanahan era. That is the worst the team played, I think, in Kyle Shanahan era. And Jimmy, especially was completely lost in that game, completely terrible, and a shell of himself. And it's because he missed practice. He didn't get the game installed. He didn't get the game reps, and he played hobbled. Those two combined left you with a quarterback that would have been more valuable handing the ball off every single play. Well, I mean, and Kyle talked about it with Trey about how you know, even if he doesn't necessarily understand a certain part of the game plan or he just gets out there and he just sees a defense that he is unfamiliar with because he's so inexperienced, he can compensate with his legs, with his just physical ability to make people miss and pick up yards on the ground. Jimmy doesn't have the physical skills to compensate for not being fully up to speed in the game plan. He just doesn't. So, yeah, going back to that Miami game, it's insane to have thrown him out there. And I don't think that Kyle is going to make that same mistake twice. See, and I think part of why the game review, he thought Lance looked better than he did originally on Sunday right after the game, is because Trey Lance did a whole bunch of off-schedule stuff. He did a whole bunch of keeping the play alive with his feet and then making something happen, either by running or completing a pass after scrambling around. And to Kyle, that drives him nuts during the game because he's going, hey, you missed this guy, or I designed this play and you could have... Uh, made it work the way I designed it. And in his head, you know, I think after the game, he was thinking that guy didn't go where I wanted him to go with the ball on almost any play. And so he thought he had a bad game and looked like a number two, as he said. But then in watching the film, he was like, hey, this guy actually was valuable. Like every every play seemed to go for something. Even if it wasn't where I designed it to go, he was able to turn things when it didn't go as planned into something positive. Right, like... Kyle, the yards don't count more if Trey makes an on-schedule play. Like, if he if he completely forgets the play and just runs and no one tackles him for 10 yards, you still move 10 yards down the field. It doesn't really, you know, there's no style points, so to speak. But I'm glad you talked about that because Kyle actually dove into a little bit what 
specifically Trey Lance is working through. And I thought it was really interesting because he was asked specifically like, hey, in your offense, is there is there gray area when it comes to what you ask your quarterback to do in terms of like, hey, the defense is in quarter three, so you uh, cover three, so you know you got to go here. Or the defense is in cover two, you know you got to go here. He was asked about, like, is there gray area with that? And I thought he had a really interesting answer. Here it is. That sounds great, and it's pretty good if it's on air or if it's seven on seven, but there's pass rushes involved, there's blitzes, there's disguises, um, there's people who don't get open. Um, so you got to be able to see all that and understand if it's, if it's automatic, you should always hit the automatic plays. That means... You have an offense that you know where the ball's supposed to go and what the play's for. How quickly do you recognize that it's defended? How quickly can you get to two? Um, how quickly can you recognize it's not the right look? Um, it might be the perfect look, but you can't hang on the three technique and you got to break. Um, do you go to number two and get rid of it or do you try to scramble right away? Um, those are all things that are options. You know, not, They're not options for everybody, but those are things that are options for Trey. And that's the stuff he's working through. My reaction to that was... I think Trey's at the point where he knows where he's supposed to go in certain situations. What Kyle is talking about is, okay, that's one thing to know where to go, but when you actually play on the field, there's extenuating circumstances. And I think in Kyle's mind, what he wants to see is he wants to see Trey go to look two or maybe look three or look four before scrambling. I think that's in Kyle's mind what would kind of like push him over the top. But I think what Kyle's going to realize is, he still gets the benefit of Trey scrambling. So I think that's going to fade away the more Lance plays. I mean, he, he did say later on that if a quarterback sees daylight, he should go ahead and take it, basically. Um, but I, I think part of that is is that he he wants to see – I'm trying to think of the best way to put this – that his, his offense is highly complicated. And – the play can completely change or the progressions I think can completely change based on what the defense does right at the snap. So if the defense blitzes from a specific spot, I think Kyle wants his quarterback to be able to say my progressions were, you know, to the right, but because they blitz from the spot in the left, I need to skip and change the progression order and be over here first. He wants that nuance. He wants his quarterback to be smart enough to recognize the defense did this, whether it's a blitz or you know, where the linebackers drop to and change the order of progressions and not just stubbornly go, well, this is where I, I'm supposed I'm supposed to look here first, even though there's no way it's going to be available because the linebacker dropped into that spot or whatever it would be. He wants the quarterback to be smart enough for that. But I did have another reaction to that, and it actually made me laugh when I was reading it because I took it as him making a dig at one of his former players. Maybe it's not in hearing it back the second time. There's another way that it could have been taken. So I don't know which way he meant it, but – I think it's hilarious that he said you can't just go to the first look and then try to scramble if it's not there. Not everybody can do that. I took that as that's RG3. <laughs> <laughs> RG3 was here's my first first read. Oh, it's not there. I'm trying to run. And I took the not everybody is capable of going past the first read and then scrambling as a dig on RG3 because that is reportedly the thing that Kyle – was driven nuts by with RG3 that RG3 would abandon the play so quickly. Well, there's a God knows there's no love lost between RG3 and the Shanahan's, that's for sure. But I do think that that is one of the things that Kyle talked about uh, after Lance was picked about how he really liked the way that Lance would go through his reads before taking off, that he wouldn't just look to the first read and then run. And I honestly think we actually saw a little bit of that on Sunday. There were a couple times where he took off right away for sure, especially early on, because I, I really think he was over his skis for those first couple plays. Like, it, it was a big moment. He was in there. He didn't quite know what was going on. He wasn't quite up to speed on the game plan, and but he eventually figured it out. But you could see him go through reads later in that game before taking off, and even a couple times where once he was on the move, he still looked to throw and made a couple of completions. Right. So mobile quarterbacks can go – basically one of two ways they can be the Vince Young or RG3 type where they never quite learn how to read a defense and in their first year or two they're actually somewhat effective just simply because they're so athletic they can turn what would have been dead drives into points because they scrambled for the first down once or twice to keep the drive alive those guys tend to be figured out teams figure out okay well He's good at this type of throw. We take it away. He's not capable of reading the defense and doing anything else. And they 
flame out rather quickly. Then there's the other type. And 49er fans know that other type as well as any fan base because they deal with it every single freaking year in the Russell Wilsons, where Russell Wilson can scramble. But if you notice, he's constantly scrambling and keeping the play alive, looking downfield and only runs when he has to or when he sees he can definitely get the first down. And that is the type that Kyle wants. The other one will, you know, will be a flash in the pan. He wants the one that's actually a smart quarterback who also happens to be athletic. Yeah, he wants Steve Young. He wants John Elway. I mean, those are the quarterbacks he knows because that's the quarterbacks he grew around, grew up around with his dad in Denver and and obviously in San Francisco. Like, and I don't blame him for that. Who wouldn't want Steve Young and John Elway? <laughs> um, do you realize like how much fun this game could be on Sunday? We could have Trey Lance and Kyler Murray just running around chucking it. Like, I, I think that. Some people forget, like, offense is not supposed to be hard. We talked about that on Sunday after the game. It's supposed to be fun. Like, when Jimmy Garoppolo (laughs) drops back and throws the ball, I'm surprised if it's completed. Like, that's how bad this offense has struggled. I, I would get nervous as soon as I saw the ball come out of his hand, like, oh, no, what's about to happen? And, I, you know, that's not going to be the case on Sunday. I think, honestly, I really don't because Trey has not shown – a propensity to put the ball in harm's way. If anything, he's been overly cautious in the opposite direction, throwing a couple balls to Debo purposely low so that one Debo wouldn't get hit and two, it wouldn't be intercepted. So I just, I think that that's going to go away. And I think that the people that are hesitant about Lance or worried that he might not be ready. I think they're going to see on Sunday as the game goes along, like they can exhale a little bit. You know, it's going to be funny on Sunday because it's going to be, you know, whether the Niners are on offense or defense, it's going to be kind of the same thing, just in reverse order. Yes. When the Niners are on offense, there's going to be plays where you're going, no, 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 yes, because then Trey Lance <laughs> escapes, and suddenly it goes from what you thought was going to be a sack into a gain. And on the other side of the ball, you're going to be going, yes, 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 Bosa's about to get a sack, and then all of a sudden Kyler Murray has a 15-yard gain, and you're like, what? No. <laughs> it's going to be a, a, a game where until the quarterback's knee is actually down and the whistle blows, you're going to be holding your breath because you don't know what's about to happen. Did Lance look faster to you on Sunday? To me, he looked way more elusive and he actually looked faster than he did in the preseason. I don't know if maybe he was just pumped up. So the adrenaline was flowing, but I was like, Whoa, this guy can move even better than I thought. Uh, The thing that surprised me with his mobility was I, I knew that he was fast in terms of his top speed. Once he had some momentum, good luck. And I knew he could make a cut. Um, what I was surprised about was how quickly he got up to speed. Like he had a lot of quickness, which is not something you expect from a quarterback that size. You know what I mean? Like Russell Wilson doesn't necessarily have a super high top speed. You know what I mean? He's fast enough to where he doesn't get caught from behind all too often, but he's not a Lamar Jackson fast. You know what I mean? He's not Kaepernick. You know, Kaepernick had a crazy top end because he had a sprinter's stride. Lance has that sprinter's stride. He takes super long strides. I said, uh, many months ago, when we first started the draft process, that Lance's running style reminded me a lot of Kaepernick because their strides are very similar. They're very long, lanky, sprinting type strides. But what surprised me was that he showed a lot of really quick movement where he was up to speed and getting away quickly. Plays where, you know, if if you've been watching the games long enough, you'll remember Kaepernick sometimes would start to try to get away, but because he didn't have the greatest of accelerations, the defender would still be able to get him. And I didn't see that with Lance. I saw the quickness that Russell Wilson has. And then, you know, if if Lance ever hits the open field, it's going to be hard to catch him. He, I'm not saying that this is a totally accurate comparison, but I was sort of expecting him. And and what I saw in the preseason, it reminded me more of like a Dak Prescott. Like Dak Prescott is kind of a thicker guy. He's not fat. He's, he's just big. He's thick and he's not slow. He just doesn't have that burst or like, I don't think of a lot of wiggle when I think of Dak Prescott to me, Lance, his running style looked much more like Lamar Jackson in terms of acceleration, speed, and also elusiveness. Now he's not, he doesn't have it to the degree that Lamar has because Lamar Jackson is a mutant. And I don't know that I've ever (laughs) seen a quarterback like that, but it was it was like an added bonus for me. I was like, damn, there were a couple plays where he drops back and both tackles are just totally pushed back in his face and he gets out of it like easily. And I was like, I can't believe what I'm watching here. Is this how everybody else feels all the time? 
That's funny you say that because I literally had that thought during the game. Like, my God, this is what Seattle and Arizona has been feeling like the last few years. That you know, complete bit wasted of a of a play because you know mm-hmm. McGlinchey gets beat or whatever, and you're like, oh crap, here comes. Uh, never mind. Oh, yeah, right. He he got five yards. He got ten yards. Whatever. You know, it's a very very nice luxury to have. Won't it just feel good to like you were just saying to do that? to Arizona. Oh, Chandler Jones. Yeah, great. You won your pass rush rep. Awesome. You know what it means? Nothing. We just gained 15 <laughs> yards. Hey, Seattle. Look, oh, you finally got pressure from the one guy on your team that can run that rush the passer. Oh, guess what? Doesn't matter. Lance escapes. There's a 20-yard gate. Like, I want to do that to other people for a change. <laughs> you know, it's funny you mentioned their pass rushers because that was one of the other read between the lines that I took out of the Kyle Shanahan press conference. He talked about how you know, that, that scramble ability is really helpful when you're going against great pass rushers. And then he was asked later, you know, what are the things you see in Arizona that they've gotten better at to be 4-0 this year? And he talked about, well, J.J. Watt was a great addition and their pass rush is really good, blah, 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 blah. Like, if you read between the lines there, they're facing a really good pass rush. And, and he's saying it's a huge benefit to have somebody that can get away from it. It'd be nice also if we had a defense that could generate a freaking turnover. <laughs> like, we got one on the season, and it's Dre Greenlaw against Jared Goff, and that was a play that Greenlaw actually got hurt on, and he really hasn't been back since. Like, the problem is, Levin, and I don't mean to totally go away from the quarterbacks. I just want to mention this brief aside. Who's going to get the turnovers on defense? Because we know it's not going to come from the safeties because that's not what they do. It's not going to come from the corners because, I mean, let's be honest, they're kind of holding on for dear life. I thought Emmanuel Mosley played well on Sunday, but he's not a guy that's going to get a bunch of interceptions. Like, people keep saying, like, oh, they're going to come, they'll come, but, like, from where? They're not. You know, that that was a point I was going to get to when we, when we start talking more about the defense, and I guess now is as good a time as any, that the point I wanted to make was that this defense is not a turnover defense. It's not built to be a turnover defense. You know, the way you generate turnovers is taking risks, whether that's the cornerback jumping a route and risking that he's wrong and getting beat, or the safeties crashing down early to try to jump a route, risking somebody getting behind them, or blitzing and by blitzing, I mean sending more than one person, actually taking a risk and sending, you know, six, seven guys on an obvious passing down to try to make the quarterback rush and make a really bad decision with the ball. The Niners don't play that defense. They play, we're going to send four or five guys, try to get some pressure, and we're going to lock you down and play it safe and just stop you from trying to get the completion, not try to take risks that could backfire on us. And the broader point I wanted to make is when you play a defense in that style, you play a defense that is not going to be prone to getting a lot of turnovers. You cannot play an offense that turns the ball over. <laughs> right. That is a recipe for disaster. It doesn't matter if the offense is highly efficient. You know, even if the offense is efficient and scores points, uh, you know, if they don't turn it over, the turnovers will kill you. They are momentum swings and they are very easy points for the other team because they normally get great field position when it happens. The Niners are, I believe, got the fourth most turnovers since Kyle Shanahan became coach. And Jimmy Garoppolo himself has one of the highest turnover rates of a quarterback who has gotten, I think the, the cutoff was 20 starts over the last three years. His actual turnover rate is in the bottom 10. So that is a bad combination. And I think as big of a reason as any for why Jimmy Garoppolo shouldn't be the starter because Lance ha- had extremely low turnover numbers in college and so far hasn't shown a propensity to turn the ball over, whether in the preseason or in the half that he played last game. So I think just based on that, he's the better fit quarterback because you cannot turn the ball over when you have a defense that is not going to force turnovers. The turnover numbers for Garoppolo are staggering when you consider the fact that he's not even throwing the ball deep down the field. It's amazing to turn the ball over that much when you're not throwing the ball down the field. Like, how is this possible? Yet he has consistently found a way to do it. I know going into the year, the 49ers had the worst turnover differential in the NFL since the hiring of Kyle Shanahan. Uh, I know that Josh Dubow from the AP had a tweet that I'm now trying to find that Javi and Leo mentioned on Oh Hey There on Tuesday, which I now can't find. But I think the 49ers have 115 turnovers 
115 turnovers in that time? Like, what the hell is going on? You can't win that way. Kyle said it in his press conference yesterday. Other than points, the biggest determining factor of wins and losses is the turnover battle. Right. And that's why I'm making the point that if you have a defense that isn't going to get turnovers, you can't have an offense that is going to be turning the ball over at a high rate because you're not going to win consistently when you're losing the turnover battle. You literally can't. Kyle is 100% correct that the biggest indicator for whether or not you win or lose, other than obviously points, if you want to count points, I personally don't, but uh, is turnovers. If you lose the turnover battle, you lose. I I believe the statistic, and this is going off you know, a year or two ago, but I believe the statistic, it's right around 80%. Right around 80% of the time, if you have a negative turnover ratio in a game, you lose. The Niners can't afford to turn the ball over. 100%. I found the tweet from Josh Dubow. Since Kyle Shanahan was hired in 2017, the most turnovers were the Buccaneers at 125. Thank you very much, Jameis Winston. Yeah. Second, 49ers at 115. Second. So, I mean, just in terms of raw turnovers. Now, some of that is not always the quarterback. They led the league in special teams turnovers last year with four uh, lost fumbles, you know, and there's there's just fumbles from ball carriers as well. But I mean, that's why that's why Kyle Shanahan's record is what it is, right yeah. there. I like, mean, part of it's by design, um, in terms of uh, Kyle Shanahan's preference. He prefers smaller, faster running backs. What do smaller, faster running backs tend to do more often than the alternatives? Turn the ball. They tend to fumble more. Mm, I don't know. Can you really mm. say that? No, the proof is in the pudding. <laughs> I don't know, man. Barry Sanders is one of the smallest running backs ever. That dude never fumbled. Yeah, you're, you're talking about an all-time great who nobody could get a hand on. Nobody could get a solid <laughs> hit on. I, You know, I want to see some data on that. I want to see some fumble data on running backs uh, over or under a certain height. And I'll let you pick the height, whatever one you want to pick. That's your homework assignment for we next can. week. I would go more by weight, but I think weight is a bigger determining factor because strength is a big part of it, in my opinion. Well, it's it's got to stop. Like, it has to stop. It's so maddening. I think you're right. I think that Lance will hopefully at least slow that down, you know, not stop it completely, but right. at least kind of, you know, just give the team a chance. That turnover, that, that interception that Jimmy Garoppolo had Sunday, it's a killer. The Niners are going yeah. right down the field. Even if Trey Lance turns the ball over at a rate that is comparable to Jimmy Garoppolo, which would be, like I said, among the worst in the NFL, he has more spectacular plays. Like you, you still get a benefit there and he should turn the ball over less because that's been, his history is that he doesn't turn the ball over, which by the way, you know, Brett Favre withstanding having a fastball of a, or a rocket of an arm helps not turn the ball over because DBs struggle to catch the ball as it is. That's why they're DBs. Sorry, Eric Crocker, (laughs) (laughs) but that, that makes it even harder because when you're trying to catch a, uh, I wouldn't necessarily say Jimmy Garoppolo has a softball, softball is Nick Mullins territory, but Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't have a cannon. He does not rip the ball in there. He always tries to place it with touch. Trey Lance is the exact opposite. He's trying to burn a hole through the receiver's gloves. And that makes it really hard for a DB to get the interception. Well, hit the jugs machine, fellas. If there's one thing I don't want to hear if Lance starts, it's that he throws the ball Mm -hmm. too hard. I'm tired of that, man. Like, I hate that. do kickers kick the ball too hard? No, like, your job is to kick, you kick. Your job is to throw, you throw. And if your job is to catch, I don't care how hard the damn pass is, catch it. Now, Lance can do his part. I get that. But at the same time, like, sometimes if it's, you know, fourth and goal or third and goal, you're in the red zone, and I know the receiver might not be, you know, super far away from you, yeah, Lance might have to throw it pretty hard to fit it into a tight window. Tough. Catch the damn ball. You know, if – if wide receivers could catch a John Elway ball or a Brett Favre ball before these gloves, which, by the way, the gloves have actually been studied scientifically and they are stickier than stick them. They are more effective than a banned substance because it helps wide receivers catch the ball too easily. So you get the benefit of, of those gloves. If you can't catch the ball, it is 100 percent 
not even 99%, 100% on the wide receiver. But I will make one caveat there. When you practice all week with a Jimmy Garoppolo throwing you the ball, and then suddenly you get in the game and it's coming at you a split second faster, it takes time to get adjusted to the difference of speed because you have so many reps of the ball coming at a certain speed when that changes as drastically as the difference between their throws is, it does take a little bit because it's a muscle memory thing. That's fair, but you got all week now, so I don't want right. to hear about that. You're a professional. You should be able to adjust quickly. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, I just, I'm excited. Like, I, it's it's funny to me, right? So we have week one and week two, and especially week one, right? They win the game, but it felt like a loss. We talked about that in the Instant Reaction podcast. Week two was kind of shaky at the end there, too. So you won the game, but it was more like a sigh of relief than anything yeah. else. They lost the game last week, but I'm like, I feel better about it than I did the wins early in the year because of the fact that we might get to see Trey Lance this week. It's it's sort of a weird flip-flop. It's like the bizarro season for the Niners so far. Yeah, I would say this is the most excited I've been for a game other than obviously week one when I was starved for nine months of a <laughs> Niners football game. <laughs> but I was going to make a, a different point here that if the Niners do win on Sunday, um, can can we just go back to last year where they can't play in Levi's Stadium? <laughs> <laughs> well, they they are they... one in six in Levi Stadium oh. in the last two years. One in six. Meanwhile, I think it was eight and five or eight and six on the road. Like, like okay. If they win on Sunday, maybe they shouldn't play in Levi. Which, <laughs> by the way, that still pisses me off. The fact that they didn't build Levi to be a home field advantage. Like that still makes me mad. I if you're building Levi's a football stadium, rocking. it gets rocking, but I don't understand why if you're going to build a new stadium in today's day and age, use some scientists and sound engineers so that you can make it as loud as freaking possible. Like, like Seattle. There's a, yeah. There's a reason why Seattle is loud and it's not 100% the fans. And there's a reason why Kansas city is loud and it's not 100% the fans. Part of it is the stadium design that still pisses me off that they didn't build it with that in mind and that they also didn't build it while paying attention to where the f the sun is. Yeah. Yeah. That is amazing to me. Like no one thought about this. Like, hey, we're building a stadium in California. Maybe we should make sure our team is not roasting underneath the burning star. But I mean, it is what it is now. At least they got the damn grass right for a change. <laughs> Yeah, cross your fingers on that. Got the lights and and the grass correct. <laughs> it only took a couple of years, but we figured it out. Um, the other point I wanted to make before we go is this is the most adversity Kyle Shanahan has ever faced as head coach of the 49ers. Clearly, right? Like even his first year, they lose the first nine games of the season, but he got a pass, you know? It's his first year. It's not his team. And they traded for Jimmy Garoppolo, and we all thought he's got the quarterback of the future. Jimmy comes in, he doesn't lose, and even though their record was bad, people were like, okay, you know, now he's got it. Now he's off and running. 2018 starts, Jimmy tears his ACL in week three, and it's like, oh, well, okay, we got to give the Niners a pass again. 2019, Jimmy finally stays healthy. They go to the Super Bowl. Great. No one, no criticism there. No adversity there for Kyle Shanahan. They were the number one seed, 13 and three. 2020 happens and they have injuries like I've never, ever seen a football team have before. And he kind of gets a pass. But this year, it's all on him, right? Because we are in a place, and I didn't think I would ever, ever say this, where the offense is the problem for the 49ers. And he hasn't had, you know, the crazy rash of injuries, at least on offense, that he's had in the past. And it's the first time that Kyle Shanahan specifically is, you know, his seat's getting a little warm. I think he feels it a little bit for sure. And so I'm interested to see how he responds. You know, he he dipped into the bag a little bit last week, Levin. They did that double pass behind the line of scrimmage, which I they thought it was a great idea to do that with Jacquez Patrick, who's been with the 49ers for about 10 minutes. Um, <laughs> but he tried it. Right. Like he dipped into the bag a little bit. So I think he, you know, I think that was a sign that like he knew he needed to get the offense going. He wanted to jumpstart it. But I think Kyle's feeling it a little bit here. So I want to see what he does this week. I think there's going to be criticism going Kyle Shanahan's way unless they win. 
Now, there's different levels to the criticism, but say Trey Lance plays well and the Niners lose a close game. The criticism is going to be, why wasn't this guy starting from the start? You would be 4-1 and one or 3-2 and two instead of 2-3. and three. You know what I mean? Like, the, Trey Lance can play well and he can, he can criticize him for not playing him earlier. How did you not see the guys this good, even if they lose? Um, but if they win, like, if let's say they win and Trey Lance plays lights out, there might be some criticism there for the same thing. Yep. Why didn't this guy play all season? If the yeah. guy was this good, how did you not see it? Why was this guy stuck on scout team? <laughs> it's very important that he does a scout team, Levin. Those won't be very heavy criticisms if they win. But if they lose, there's going to be criticism. And I think if they lose and Trey Lance doesn't do well and the offense doesn't put up points, I don't think he's going to get a pass. I don't think people are going to go, well, he was stuck with a rookie due to injury. They're going to say, where's the offensive genius? Yep. I agree. The worm is turned on that. Like the honeymoon is over, clearly. And well, yeah, I think the the I don't want to say that. The focus of <laughs> of people is definitely on him. He is the guy that everyone is looking at like, "Hey dude, it's on you to fix this." Because they have been since the first half against Detroit, it has been a struggle. Outside of week 1, they haven't scored more mm-hmm. than 7 points in the first half of the last 3 weeks. Seven points. <laughs> you can't do more than that. They couldn't even get 10. God, like I, I never thought we'd see a Kyle Shanahan team struggle like this on offense. And we could be. That's the exciting thing. We could be at the end of those struggles. <laughs> Imagine that. I just don't want to be miserable for an entire freaking bye week. <laughs> like that's, that's the worst part. That's what That's what's scaring me more than anything else. If Trey Lance plays bad, there's no, well, at least Trey Lance looked good, you know, to pick you up and carry you through a bye week where you're only two and three. But if Trey Lance plays bad and the Niners lose, that bye week is going to be miserable because it's going to be, uh-oh, this guy might not be it. And, uh-oh, this team's not making the playoffs. Like, it's going to be like put a cap on the season already, and it's just – can Trey Lance improve enough to still look like the future by the end of the year? How many? That's what ge- scares me. You're not wrong, by the way. The bye week, the bye week when your team's coming off a loss, especially if you have a quarterback that plays bad. That Three is like losses. Well, yeah, that- <laughs> a miserable NFL experience as a fan because you're just like the hope, right? It's the lack of hope that really just digs into your soul. Let me ask you this really quick before we go. Because this is a question that I would have had a very different answer to before I saw Jimmy Garoppolo with the 49ers. How many games of Trey Lance playing do you need to say, or do you need to see, rather, before you say, yep, we got one, or he ain't the guy? Uh, I think it's a different answer for each for each of those. They don't have the same answer. I think you can say, yep, we got a guy here. I mean, if it was the absolute craziest, perfect game, one game, but that's highly, highly unlikely. But I think like last year, we knew second game, Herbert is something. Herbert is special. Herbert has something there, two games in. You know what I mean? I I think he had something like seven touchdowns in his first two games. (laughs) Like two games in, you can go, okay, that guy might have some lumps coming. Like defenses might figure out something, but he, he is, you can already see he has a different level that only a handful of quarterbacks can play at. That he's played two games at a level that's, you know, an MVP level. Herbert did that last year. Whereas before you throw the book and say this guy's not it, I think pretty much a whole season. I mean, in an extreme case, like Nathan Peterman, you know right away. <laughs> well, yeah. Giovanni Carmazzi, <laughs> for, for any longtime 49er fans. Yeah. So, I mean, in an extreme case, you can know in one game – going the other way but like that, that that's extremely rare if he goes out there and throws five interceptions and doesn't react well in the post game press conference you know all right th- this guy is not dialed in but that's not Trey Lance like we know he's dialed in the rep is he has a phenomenal work ethic he's already won over quite a few of the players so I don't think that's going to be an issue for him I think we would have to see a full season before we would be able to say Trey Lance just can't process quick enough 
which is, I think, the thing that would be the question mark, is can he process quick enough to run a complicated offense? Let me rephrase the question then, because I, I didn't phrase it clearly enough. How much Trey Lance do you need to see before you're willing to say we he is one of those Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, like one of these elite guys? Could see it Sunday. I don't think we will because we didn't see it in the in that second half, um, which that's a little bit unfair. You know what I mean? But I think you can see the potential in one game. If he goes out there and he has flashes and he looks like he's learning, he's improving, he's not uh, swallowed up by the moment. You know, if he regresses throughout the game, that's concerning. But if he doesn't regress, even if he says throws an interception early and he goes out there and he ends up having a decent game, I think you can you would sit there and you'd be pretty confident. You know, you wouldn't be pounding the table. This guy is definitely it. But you'd be pretty confident and say, look, this guy has the mental makeup to not fall apart, which is a very important thing. Not all quarterbacks have that. And you saw the potential because he made some plays. But I think it would realistically take half a season before I would be able to be confident enough to say, this guy has it. It's going to be interesting because, you know, the Cardinals have good defensive talent and Vance Joseph is their defensive coordinator. Vance Joseph is no joke as a defensive coordinator. He didn't work out as a head coach, but a lot of guys can say that he is, he's going to throw some stuff at Trey Lance. Like he, Mm -hmm. he's, he confused Russell Wilson at points last year. So if Trey goes out and has a really good game, that's going to go a long way with me. Like it's one thing to have a really good game against the lions, right? That's a little different, but if you do it against this team with this defensive coordinator in your first start, that I I wouldn't be willing to totally say like he's one of the elite players, but man, he'd be a hell of a lot closer to that than anything else. So what do you want to see from the offense strategy-wise? Because I have a very specific plan that I want to see. I want to see RPOs. I want to see Lance if he does keep the ball, actually run around the edge, run to the outside. So far, all we've seen from him is keeping the ball and going up the middle. I want to see him on the edges of the defense because they are missing that. It'll be interesting if Elijah Mitchell plays or not, too, because I think they've really missed that speed from the from the uh, running back position to get around the edge. So I want to see that. I want to see throws on first down. No hiding. Do not hide Trey Lance, Kyle. Don't go with the Jimmy plan. Run on first down, run on second down, then maybe throw on third down. No, no, no. Pass on first down and use play action. A ton of it. Use a shitload of play action. Make it easy. Give Trey the Jimmy gimmies, and then you can run play action and take your deep shots down the field. Does that match up with what you want to see? Pretty similar. I specifically want to see the first drive. I don't care how many people... They throw into the box. I don't care if they have nine people stacked in that box. I want to see first and second down lined up in the RPO formation we saw or we've seen with Trey Lance, and they run it. I don't care how many people they stack. I want them to tell Arizona we are committed to the run. If you see this formation, we are running. And then after that, play action the shit out of that formation. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I want to see first drive come out and make them believe hey, we're not going to let the rookie try to win this game. We're going to just try to run and hope we can run our way to a win. We're going to you know, play it safe on the pass when we have to so we don't put too much on this rookie. Make them believe that. And then after that first drive, if they stack that box, start running double moves and the deep routes that we saw in preseason, the Trent Shearfield, what we just saw to Debo, that's what I want to see. I want to see a game plan that comes out and makes Arizona believe that they're going to run the ball, but then actually end up passing 40 times. You know, uh, Akash had a stat on the Shannon plan yesterday that blew me away. I don't know if you saw it. I believe there's an article on NinersNation.com right now about it. George Kittle and Debo Samuel have 71% of the 49ers targets this season. You know what I'd like to see? I'd like to see a double move from Brandon Ayuk and him take it 70 yards to the house. That's what I would like to see. Can we get this rookie that we traded up to draft in the first round some touches, please? Can we incorporate the weapons that we have? Can George Kittle get a freaking touchdown? We're a quarter of the way through the season and George Kittle doesn't have a touchdown. Like, yeah, he has, he has four touchdowns since the start of last year. Four. 
Like, forget the whole, oh, is he better than Kelsey? No, he's not better than Kelsey. He's not better than Darren Waller. He's maybe the third best tight end. You can make an argument that Gronk is better than he. Like, enough, man. I know we like him, and he's a cool dude, and I love him. And he blocks like crazy, which is awesome. But you're not the highest paid tight end in the league because you can block. Get the ball in the damn end zone, George. Yeah, it it's like the leak out has been stopped. Like that was the bread and butter Kittle play. Fake like you're running, fake like you're the Kittle's gonna block, and then have him leak out behind the offensive line to the opposite side and have the quarterback turn and throw it back. That doesn't happen anymore. Teams literally have somebody assigned to Kittle. Everybody it's runs not, it too. Yeah, it, it's literally Somebody is assigned to Kittle at all times so that he can't leak out and sneak his way through a back door to get wide open. And that's why you've seen Juice running that more often lately because teams sometimes don't key on Juice when you fake a run in the beginning. I really like that one of the plays that Kyle went back to in this game with Trey is the sort of the wheel that he threw the touchdown into Sherfield against the Chiefs in the preseason game. That's the long, that's the same play basically that he hit Debo on in, in the game against Seattle. So I like that Kyle recognized, like, hey, this might be something that Trey is comfortable with. Now, I'd also like to thank the Seahawks for literally just not covering Debo. I actually saw there was like a next gen stat. Nobody was within 17 yards of Debo Samuel. It was the most separation any receiver has had. For- I want to say it was about 10 years. I cannot remember the year, but, but it was the most separation that anybody's had. And the previous most separation anybody had was I believe on a go route where there was no safety help and the cornerback fell down. (laughs) Uh, I could tell it was literally like okay, you're in man here. Oh, you fell down and the guy's on a go route. So he's not stopping. (laughs) I could tell right away because I saw Jamal Adams point. There's two things. If you yeah. watch that play, you can see Jamal Adams point, And I was like, uh-oh, he's, he's not, he's talking to his own team there. Cause he knows what's about to happen. And the other hilarious thing is too, Kyle is basically standing right next to Debo yeah. when he catches the ball on the sideline. And if you look, as soon as Debo catches it, Kyle goes with the fist pump and puts his hand in the air. Cause he knows it's a touchdown. Cause there's literally nobody else in the whole stadium near him. And I mean, at that point, that was like exactly what they needed to get back in the game. I was like, holy crap, we finally got one of these weird breaks to go in our favor here. It didn't ultimately work out, but my God, it was fun to see a nice 79-yard touchdown. And I do think part of that was the effect of Trey Lance. The teams crashed to the inside. The cornerback, I believe they actually did answer that question, that the cornerback was the one that messed up, not the safety who bit down and not Adams who uh, kind of passed it up. Yeah, he cheated up towards the, the line once he went. Once Debo went deep, uh, it was the cornerback was supposed to break off. But if you watch the cornerback, he he's he's not looking dead on a Debo. You know what I mean? He's not in man coverage. I think that was the Trey Lance. And then there's another play that um, a couple people have actually pulled and posted on Twitter. And I find it absolutely hilarious, especially when it's slowed down. And it's a play where they're running the RPO and Lance gives it to Sermon. It was the biggest gain in the, of the day for Sherman or Sermon. I always want to say Sherman. Like He doesn't so play cool. for us anymore. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Thankfully, <laughs> based on what we saw on Sunday. Um, but he literally gives it to Sermon, and a linebacker is right there in the hole, ready to make the play. Like He's literally right in front of Sermon, and Sermon's got nowhere to go except for the linebacker pivots and starts running forward into the outside to get after Trey Lance. And Sermon literally runs right to where that linebacker was standing a second before. That doesn't happen with Jimmy. <laughs> that was a linebacker going, I'm not letting this rookie get the edge on me. It opens up so many different possibilities. So, I mean, at this point, like, I cannot wait to see it. I can't wait to see it. I think it's going to be super fun. I don't know necessarily if the 49ers are going to win the game, by the way. I would I would pick the Cardinals to win the game. Um, are you picking the Cardinals? Yes, I am picking the Cardinals. They're at home. They are <laughs> rolling right now. Um, I think that they finally have upgraded the roster a little bit, To even though I think they're still running some of the same Cliff Kingsbury plays. Like, they're not throwing a screen to 80-year-old Larry Fitzgerald anymore. You know, they're throwing it to... Rondale Moore, 
who runs a 4-2-40. Like, that is a factor. Um, and I just think that I think Arizona is way better than I thought. Uh, but I, I just want to see leads, what Trey does. Do you know who leads them in receiving? Is it um, Christian Kirk? No, no, it's A.J. Green. <laughs> yeah, isn't that insane? The ancient one. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the broken leg one. <laughs> Guy was never healthy. He's he's the uh, Jimmy Garoppolo of wide receivers. Wow, uh, that is a shot right there. I don't know yeah, what AJ Green true. did to you, but man, that was that man has a family. Oh, Levin, I thought you were saying it was a shot to Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> no, it's a shot to AJ. AJ Green's a better receiver than Jimmy Garoppolo was a quarterback. Oh, I'm just saying he's always hurt, like yeah, never healthy. Um, he has been but yeah, up. Actually, uh, uh, Hopkins is has not had a phenomenal start to this year. He he has been pretty mediocre because they've been able to do whatever they want elsewhere pretty much. I mean, that <laughs> offense has done things. But, yeah, it, it is Rondell Moore who scares the ever-living crap out of me because of the speed. I mean, I obviously know Rondell Moore quite a, quite a bit because he went to Purdue. Oh, here we go. And he scares me because the speed and the fact that what's he going to play and who do we have hurt? He's going to be running through the slot. And we're not having Kwan Williams, so it, he worries me a lot. Yeah, there. I mean, there's threats all over the place for Arizona. Let's be honest. Um, but who are you picking for the game? You know, <laughs> I've been thinking about this all day. It might be denial. It might be I can't face the fact that we're going to be two and three with three straight losses. But I just have a feeling that the Niners are going to win a close game. I have a feeling Arizona is due to be a little off. Like they've been on both offensively and defensively. They have not had mistakes. They haven't made mental errors. You know, they've had like the perfect game plan every week. I feel like they're kind of due and Kyle knows Arizona. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo has two 400 yard passing games against Arizona, if I'm not mistaken. So I think Trey Lance will make a big difference. He will help the bad plays turn into something. And Kyle knows how to beat, this defense i think that's a fair point i we're gonna find out about arizona i don't by the i way. don't think it will be overly high scoring i think it's actually going to be a quick game because both quarterbacks are going to be able to scramble so the clock's going to be running and i think that both teams are going to want to run the ball more than people are expecting because the niners defense is struggling against the run and i think arizona will come out wanting to do that because i think they're expecting the Niners to to expect the pass. And so they're gonna I think they're gonna come out and run more because they've been running well. And Chase think, Edmonds was a beast last week. Yeah. He's been a beast since they got him. Um but I, I think the Niners will come out and they'll run a lot of RPO. The over under on the game, if you're wondering, is forty nine and a half points. Arizona is favored by five and a half points in the game which obviously you know you usually get two and a half or three points for home field advantage. So clearly Vegas is taking the Arizona Cardinals. We'll see. It's going to be fun. And we're going to find out about the Cardinals, by the way, Levin. They are in a stretch. So they had the Rams last week. They have the Niners this week. Then they play Cleveland. Then they have a bye week because they're playing the Texans. Then they play Green Bay. Then they play San Francisco again. Like, that is a run of games for Arizona. We're going to find out if they're real over the next, you know, month, month and a half. Last point I'll make is this is the NFC week. We have the game tonight, Thursday, that is the Rams-Seahawks. And then we have a huge game, especially for the Niners season. I mean, Arizona can afford to lose the game. As we talked about, Niners can't really afford to lose the game and still expect to be making playoffs, uh, realistically. I, I think this is a very big week, and I'm excited because it's actually a, a playoff-mattering Thursday night football game. Yeah. They've, they've been exciting and fun games so far this year. But they've been two teams that are, they don't freaking matter. <laughs> it's nice to finally have a game on Thursday that's not just, oh, it wound up being a good game. It's like, no, you anticipate this game <laughs> because it's going to be awesome and it's going to be a ton of fun. Who are you taking in that game really quick? Oh, the Rams. It, it's Thursday. I hate predicting anything, whether individual accolades or team-wise Thursdays because the the short week is such a big deal that teams do not come in like really good teams come out and lay an egg because they didn't prep and it affected them more than the other team. But like, I do not think Seattle is good. They should be one in three. And that defense is 
horrible. And guess what? McVeigh just got game film on what his offense can do against Seattle's. That's a good point. They're on the same system. Well, at least he'll know what not to do. I'll tell you that. Uh, I, it's going to be fun. The Rams always seem to beat the Seahawks. We'll see if that trend holds up. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the Gold Standard Podcast. Again, everybody, please take five seconds, leave us a rating and a review, and make sure you smash that follow button as well. We really do appreciate it. It really does help us get discovered. We have been crushing it lately, and that is thanks to you. We appreciate it. We are coming off the second biggest month in the history of Niners Nation podcast, so we want to keep all of that momentum going. That can only happen if you keep up with the ratings and the reviews. Enjoy the game, everybody. Hopefully we're talking about another win, and we will see you next week.